0: Coming to you live, live, and podcasting around the globe. You're listening to the Deal Farm Podcast, guaranteed to tickle your real estate-loving earholes. And now, here's your host, world-renowned TV heartthrob and investor extraordinaire, Ken Corsini. Ken Corsini with The Best Deal Ever Show. I am joined by my good buddy, Mark De La Tour. Mark, how you doing, buddy? Great, Ken. Good to be
1: here. Thanks, mate.
0: Man, glad you're here. I think you might have the coolest accent of anybody I've ever interviewed.
1: <laughs> well, that way you travel halfway around the world and you'd have the same, uh, same reaction. So. Well, so
0: tell everybody where, where you're from originally.
1: <laughs> yeah, originally from New Zealand. I came over here 24 years ago um, just as a freshman in college, um, but fell in love, got married, and stuck around.
0: Wow. And so where do you call home now? So
1: I'm in Kansas City, um, Lee Summit specifically, but yeah, Kansas City Metro is my uh, operating area, um, and love it here.
0: Wow, all the way from uh, South Africa to Kansas City, New Zealand. Oh, New Zealand. How many how many times do you hear that? I bet oh, everybody no, says Australia,
1: but don't don't slip up there. You then them's fighting words.
0: <laughs> I know it wasn't Australia because I, I know that's. But I bet you get New Zealand. You get South Africa all the time, don't you? Yeah, yeah. That's because in the back of my mind, I just, for some reason I thought it was South Africa, but it's New Zealand. You Kiwis, very proud people, right? Absolutely, mate. You bet. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, so in Kansas City, I know that you're a big turnkey operator, operator out there. Tell me what else you guys do in Kansas City. Tell us about yeah, your business.
1: So yeah, you bet. So we have a flipping operation. We've been in business for about 17 years and really, um, you know, just started off flipping. I was never a wholesaler, so that's a very new concept for us. Um, we do a few wholesales, but um, really our relationships with wholesalers are just to bring us deal flow. Um, my niche and uh, really and the biggest thing that kind of catapulted me to the next level was in in the massive downturn uh, was networking and working with uh, foreign uh, investors that were looking to capitalize not only in the weak u s dollar but also on the weak u s housing market and so for me, um, having a very structured and organized way for them to take advantage of that and invest their dollars into uh, into the u s market is how we took it to the next level so you know, no one has enough money to buy everything they want. As you all know, Ken, when, you're, when, you're, uh, when the bottom plummets, you want to buy everything. Yeah. Um, but having uh, millions of dollars of uh, foreign capital coming in was, was my ticket to be able to buy as much as I possibly could.
0: That's interesting. Now, it's funny because I dealt with some foreign nationals, especially when we were heavy in turnkey. We tried to bring some international money. In. We didn't do it on a big scale. It sounds like you did. Now, were those folks that were coming in and lending to you or those, you were actually selling houses to those people?
1: Yeah, no, selling houses directly to them. So we had a unique operation where we were basically full turn keying -keying the the houses, but in an active turnkey model. So um, we were basically, you know, structuring it where they would put up all the capital, we would do all the work, and we were a flat fee based business. And then on flips, we would kind of, they put up all the money, we do all the work and and, uh, we'd split the profits. So um, that grew, you know, and obviously, bankrolled me to where I could get through the downturn. And then, um, you know, once obviously I was financially stable enough to do everything on my own is when we kind of flipped it and then went full turnkey in the traditional sense where we were able to buy the house ourselves, rehab it, get it rented out, and then turn around and full turnkey it, um, you know, to our uh, investor base. And obviously, you know, flip and hold the, all the homes, you know, for ourselves. So, you know, we've we've done over a thousand homes in the Kansas City marketplace now. We we just clipped over a thousand in January of this year, so that's something we're pretty proud of. And uh, we have 550 homes under management on our property management company, and that's growing by you know around 80 to 100 every year. So um, yeah, things are going well.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, Kansas City is one of those markets that just lends itself so well to turnkey. You know, Atlanta was—it got tough for us because it got so expensive. It was hard to make the numbers work for us. You investors. bet. Yeah,
1: well, you, we don't even do—we don't even try and turnkey anything over two hundred thousand dollars. Everything is the sweet spot. Really, is a hundred to one hundred and fifty, staying out of the the C area. So your A and B properties, yep. um, but then also having enough—you um, know—rent coming back in on the backside. But you know, it's not that exponential curve, right? So it's always that problem of the. The rents don't go up at the exact same uh, rate as the sales price. So a $300,000 home is not going to get that 1% mark of a $3,000 rental. Yeah. So it's, it's tough to cash flow.
0: And are you still hitting that 1% price to rent ratio in Kansas City for your investors?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So under under hundred. So from under one hundred twenty thousand, um, we're still getting more. So a hundred thousand dollar house here would be getting about a thousand fifty to a thousand seventy five. Wow. Um, with one hundred and fifty, you are kind of plateau. So like I was talking about, it kind of has that that um, plateau effect, and we get around fourteen fifty for one hundred and fifty to one hundred sixty thousand dollar home.
0: That's still darn good, man, and that's fully fixed up. That's what house that you've gone in there and.
1: Yeah. So, and we, you know, our, our brand, SBD brand is really um, well known for having granite and all of our rental property, having nice travertine tile and mosaics and, and accents. And, and so we do a really high end remodel hardwood floors. And so, you know, the trick as you well know, is trying to buy it cheap enough where you can go and do all that hard work and, and put the, the the great finishes on it and still sell it to someone below market value. So yeah, that's been our niche is is trying to um, get the highest quality homes you can because we found that the tenants stay longer, they respect it a little bit more and, you know, file less turnover.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, especially if you're on the management end, which is, it's critical if you're in the turnkey space to also control the management. Have to. You're yeah, that, that's a deal
1: breaker. I mean, when, when people start comparing turnkey operators, my very first thing is, is the same guy that's selling you the house, the one that's going to manage it? Because if it's not, I mean, they've, they've zero skin in the game. They'll just yep. sell you whatever they want
0: that's exactly right yeah you sort of have to warranty what you just sold them because now you're managing it yeah yeah that's very cool so are you guys really still just doing turnkey or you guys do a little bit of everything uh, we we,
1: we no. I, I would say we wholesale like five ten houses a year. So that's nothing. It's really just stuff that if we get overloaded and we get burdened with our you know the the crews. We have ten crews that are fully rehabbing. So we're doing around that one hundred twenty to one hundred fifty homes a year. Yep. Um, we'll probably full turnkey a hundred. We'll flip twenty to forty something like that. Um, those are kind of our numbers in the Kansas City marketplace. So yeah, primarily you know a lot of buy our, our niche is just having a ton of buyers just screaming for product right now. So as soon as we get them done, they're they're out the door and sold. So. Um, and in fairness, I mean, a full turn key is just a flip, bro. I mean, yeah, you know, it's that's like, true. you're right. I mean, you're just flipping the house and making some cash. So, you know, our model is still, you know, seller direct PPC, you know, networking relationships, uh, working with realtors and wholesalers and attorneys to try and bring deal flow to the table. That's a, obviously, as you know, it's the biggest challenge in our market is just finding enough deal flow to support our, a big buyer pool.
0: Sure. Yeah. Especially right now, deal flow for a lot of guys is getting tighter and tighter. So you got it. that's awesome that you're able to source those deals still. And you've got a handful of other turnkey operators you're competing with in, in Kansas City. I mean, it's not just yeah, sure. you. Know, I mean,
1: you know, I come from an abundance mindset as I know you do as well. I mean, you know, there's more than enough to go around. So we really don't have too much um, dealings with them. Even in the living room when you're competing, it's you're competing against wholesalers. And so for us, you know, when we can tell people, hey, we are the people that are actually going to close it. Here's yeah. a book of a professional book of the, the beautiful remodels that we do. We're going to restore your home to its former glory. It's not just going to be, you know, sold, and we guarantee close. It's not like a wholesaler gets something under paper and then, um, you know, wants to just turn around and, and quickly sell it because they don't have the cash. I mean, we, we guarantee yeah. close with the same entity that we
0: in, which we're sitting in the living room with. Yeah. Yeah. That is huge. We use the exact same line. Like we're not just here to wholesale it. We're going to buy it and flip it. Yeah. It helps. Yeah. It, since you're educating them, they don't realize that a wholesaler is not going to actually buy it. So when you're right. like, Oh really? Okay. Now I understand. Yeah. So, uh, so let's talk about your best deal. You've done a thousand deals in Kansas City, which is amazing. Surely there is one that sticks out as your best deal ever.
1: There is one that sticks out, my friend, and uh, yeah, really happy to talk about it today. It's it's one that um, you know it's not often you get to talk to someone on a high level, or you know, you you're certainly not going to talk about this at a, at a dinner party because people just talk, you know, think you're bragging. But yeah. it was exceptional and and uh, very unique.
0: All right, let's hear it.
1: Okay, so this is back in two thousand and twelve. Um, again, I started investing in two thousand and one, so i 'm a pretty seasoned investor at this stage um, and Although I was just buying primarily on the courthouse steps um, i did not, my my focus turned to how is there other ways to do deals and and you know the attorneys that I was meeting on the courthouse steps, I was trying to develop relationships because some of those same attorneys that were crying the auctions were also the ones that were doing probate and death and and yeah. divorce and you know all this stuff so Um, one of those relationships that I had, and, uh, had really worked on hard, you know, taking them out to lunch and dinner and and just become a friend, you know, and she's an estate planning attorney as well. So I had actually even done my estate planning with her Tried to foster that relationship. Yep. Random call. I still remember I was driving down on 435 in the industry, right by the the chiefs and Royal stadium. And I get this call and she's like, Hey Mark, I'm, I'm sure this is not a deal that you would like cause I know you don't do anything in the inner city, which is, you know, again, talk to people about what you do and how you do and you'll never know what comes along. I yeah. told her how we focus, we stay out of the inner city. We like, you know, A and B style properties. And, but she said to me, Hey, this is kind of in on that fringe area. It's probably not anything you'd like, but there's a 12 unit apartment complex that I have a client um, who's wanting to get rid of. And so I said, yeah, that's really not my thing. I was expecting to go see this disheveled, you know, I mean, a 12-unit apartment complex can be a lot of things. It can be super nice and and all structurally sound, and it can just be this, you know, a home that used to be a single-family home that's cut up into 12 pieces. So, drove to the property and turned out that it was just um, beautiful. It's all brick uh, with a little bit of vinyl siding on the rear. Um, The roof was trashed, which um, we we obviously investigated and found out, but, you know, clearly, you know, it was uh, something of value. So she told me the story and this was this is uh, how it came to being she said mark um, when the house was built back in 19, when the apartment complex was built back in um, the 1980s this guy built it and, and held on to it okay he held on to it for a long period of time in the year 2000 um, he passed away and he left oh excuse me he sold it to um, another in, uh, investor and he did owner financing okay so then he moved down to arizona so now he's the bank right so he's yep. bought it Um, Held on to it for a long time. It's a 12-unit apartment complex. They ran out for about 500 a month. So he's getting six grand a month of income. Then he sells it to this other lady. Well, then that other lady gets into some trouble and quits making the payment. In the meantime, that guy had passed away and left the note. He was comfortable because he's a seasoned savvy investor and he's the bank. He had an only child who lives still in Kansas City, and she was you know getting those monthly payments and monthly checks but all of a sudden the new owner gets into trouble and stops making the mortgage payment and so she consults that attorney who happens to be the one that I've been networking with and she says hey I've got the situation I don't know what to do I mean she's just not making payment anymore what am I what am I outs and she said well you can foreclose and she's like oh I mean how much does that cost and she didn't have any money really to foreclose and so she's the attorney's trying to do her favor and she said uh you know, I just don't want to have anything to do with the real estate. I hated real estate. My dad was always away. She just had a negative, you know, you know, connotation towards real estate, and she just, at all costs, she did not want to have anything to do with this apartment complex. So that's when I get the call, and she said, "Mike, tell me why this lady would, you know, just give it away? It sounds like." And she's, I'm like, "Well, you know, it's worth three hundred grand. What do you think she'd take for it?" Oh, Mark, she's, I mean, she's talking, you know, maybe twenty thousand, and I'm like, "Whoa!" So. <laughs> Come on. So I drive by the place expecting to see it falling to the ground, but it, ha- it was brick. It was great. There were, you know, six people I talked to that day that all had no idea that um, this lady was going bad. She was still, they were still paying their rent, 500 a month and went in a couple of units and there was a bad roof leak. And so one of them was really bad. And ironically, that was the one unit that the lady had gone and looked at. So it completely freaked her out thinking the whole place was caving in because there was some mold in that unit, but just one of the units. So long story short, I offered her $10,000, Ken. And she said, thank you so much, Mark. You're a savior. And I got a 12-unit apartment complex for just ten grand.
0: Mark, tell me you're kidding.
1: So on October 12th, <laughs> no, excuse me, October 29th of 2012, I closed on the deal. And then on November 1st, I personally, of course, went around, shook everyone's hand, collected the rent, and got $3,000 just two days after I'd paid $10,000 for the unit. So then I went to my banker and said, hey, can you appraise the building? I put the new roof on, it was $16,000 for a new roof, a new flat roof, and um, just, you know, weed eating. I mean, there really wasn't much more. It's mainly the roof, that, and then returning that one unit, and slowly and surely got this thing, you know, recapitalized as far as getting people back in the unit. It appraised at 300, I pulled out 240, just on, on a line of credit, and I was able to go invest in what, what then was my Florida operation, going and buying some stuff down in Florida. So.
0: Come on. So, so time out just a second. You bought the note from the daughter of the original builder for 10,000. No. So it's even better than that. So the,
1: so, so the, the note was the thing that she had in her possession and she only wanted to get 10 grand. The best thing was the attorney cried a sale. Probably shouldn't even say this, but she cried a sale on her, on, not on the courthouse steps, but she just did it outside of her building. No one was there, so technically, I bought a foreclosure property, and she foreclosed on it. And I'm like, "Please, no one show up. Please, don't show up," because she did the whole like posted on the 21, you know, 21 day notification and in, in a legal newspaper and that kind of thing. But no one showed up, and so she just said, uh, "Well, do I hear any offers?" Um, you know, the sellers said an opening of ten thousand. Do I hear any offers? And I said ten or ten thousand dollars, and she said sold. It was simple as that. Just filled out some paperwork and owned it the next day.
0: So technically, you bought it as a foreclosure. Correct Oh my
1: gosh. which, which, cleansed, have- which is great, right? Because then you cleanse oh, yeah. title and, and there's no other liens or anything on it, so
0: yeah, did you ever hear from the lady that owned it that was behind?
1: No, all she said was that she was super thankful, very pre. pre- oh, the lady that was behind. Yeah. Uh, the- no, oh. never met her. All I heard from the, from the tenants was she quit showing up, quit she obviously had fallen on hard times and, and never heard from her again, so
0: so she knew uh, she got foreclosed on.
1: Yeah, she got for- And and honestly, you know because it was a private note. The other lady, she wasn't going back on that lady, you know, to try and recapture the, the delta between because she the note on it was $200,000 um, of principal. And so she wasn't going after her for the 190. Yeah. Um, so she just wanted to be done with it. Wash her hands. And, you know, again, when someone and that's a common theme with with these amazing deals is it's not someone's own money. Yeah, when you have an inheritance, right. or you know, when it's uh, you know, the children selling their parents' asset, when it's not their blood, sweat, and tears that have that have built the home and and created the home and created the note and put it all together, she just inherited a note, and for about five years she was receiving a good payment of a couple of grand a month, but then when that went bad, she's like, you know what, all I want is I I just want whatever I want, but I just do not want that that asset on my books. I don't want to have to go in there and deal with these people you know these people that are that are renting uh the the asset so long story short i still own the asset today um i actually am considering selling just a 1031 into some some other opportunities got it uh appraised recently and appraised at five hundred fifty thousand dollars, mate so no
0: freaking way
1: so i think it's about time for me to cash out move on and uh and just you know kind of you know take some chips off the table and um you know 1031 into something bigger and better
0: yeah that's unbelievable man i've heard some whoppers before but buying a five hundred and fifty thousand dollars property for ten 000, that might take the cake thus far that's amazing
1: craziness but yeah hey and my story obviously this is a one-off and i don't want yeah. people thinking that you know I, can, I obviously i've never repeated it right but this is a book about you know and a podcast about you know the greatest deals ever so i wanted sure. to explain this but here's the lesson that the, the yeah. takeaway from me okay yeah. it's always tell people what you're doing act like a professional be a professional and always tell people you know what you do for a living because you never know where your next deal may come from. Everyone has stories. Everyone falls on hard times, and everyone knows someone, especially successful people you're talking to, because those are the ones that people reach up to um, for for handing for help, handout or, or help when, when they're in their, in their worst time. So if they if people know that you're the guy that you should turn to for any of these kind of deals, you'll never you'll never know where that next deal come from, and you you can often be surprised about how little people want for the asset because again. If you make it about price, you'll never do enough deals. If you that's make right. it about solving problems, yep. that's when you get the best deals. Some a wise guy once told me that the level of compensation you receive is very equivalent to the size of the problems you're solving every day, and I truly believe that. I came in, and in her mind, it was this massive problem that that she was, you know, trying to solve. And I came in and provided a solution to her, you know, what she saw as a massive problem. And as investors, we sometimes get caught up in oh man, this, you know, it's just a, you know, a note, it's no big deal. You can just, you know, just take it down and, and list it and you'll get more money for it. But they don't know that they don't have all the education and the knowledge oh. that we do of yeah. how to handle these tough situations.
0: That's right. And they get intimidated, they get overwhelmed. And it's like you said, they, they don't see dollar signs the way investors do. They just say, this is a huge problem and I want out of it. And that was the case with her. Just get me out from underneath this thing which is why she took only $10,000, which sounds it sounds crazy to me. It sounds crazy to a lot of people. But you're right. We don't know the situation they're in and how they're feeling about it.
1: Yeah, it wasn't her money. She—it was, It was, you know, just she was living in the green because she had never done anything to earn it. It was basically just, hey, you know, I've received two grand a month for the last, you know, 24 months. So she was already to her. It's like, hey, 58 grand, I didn't really see coming anyway. So um yeah that was just a, a bonus to her I think is the way she was looking at it
0: yeah yeah and it goes back to what you said be- before too it was, it was a relationship the only reason this deal fell in your lap is because you took the time to cultivate relationships and specifically with the probate attorney I mean how how great is that relationship we've told our agents and our brokerage go meet probate attorneys because you know, if they don't sell to an investor they're still probably going to list the house and sell it you know as a listing agent those are some Low-hanging fruit listings. Just- yeah, and, and
1: I think people sometimes, um, Ken, they, they just want the, the, the if, if you, what have you done for me lately? You know, if they, if they go have a relationship and that attorney doesn't turn around and immediately give them a deal or they don't immediately have any REO, if you're a banker and you don't have, have any REO, you know, properties on the books, they think, ah, that person didn't have anything. Yeah. You never know when it'll come from. And it's the one-offs that will be your home runs because it's the one-off banker or the one-off attorney that just has something fall into that, they don't know enough to, to go and, you know, give it the highest and best use of that asset. They just want to clear it off the books and provide a phone call. Oh, just call this guy. Yeah. So sometimes it's the ones you don't see coming that will truly set your, set your world on fire.
0: Yeah, but it's being consistent about making those relationships and just eventually they, they turn into fruit. Talk to people. Talk That's to right. people. Hey, the other thing I want to talk about in this deal that we didn't really hit on, which is it's huge, and a lot of people miss this, is that you created equity, right? And a lot of times we find a good deal and you've created equity. <clears throat> it's tax-free money, right? So you went out there, you refinanced it, you've created this, how much was this line of credit for a couple hundred thousand bucks? That's tax-free money. It's just equity that you've borrowed against,
1: right? Bingo, it just sits here in line of mean, I mean, you know, the, the mistake that you would make is, oh my God, I bought it for 10,000, let me turn around and wholesale it for 200,000, and then you hit with 190,000 dollar gain, yep. and I could easily have wholesale that for a couple hundred, but then sure. you're, you're paying tax. It's like, if you're in this for the long play, you know it's all about people say cash is king cash flow is king cash flow is peace of mind i'm all about building cash flow i'm building assets that so it, you know if and when a downturn comes i don't have to worry about where next paycheck coming from because i've built up so many passive so much passive income from my from my assets yeah. that i that i can sleep at night and have peace of mind the funny story that comes from this also is so the 240,000 line of credit that i created um actually rolled into my second best deal which i know this is not the second best deal podcast but <laughs> yeah. i went down to florida and bought a, a house that everyone else was scared of because it had chinese drywall and had been gutted so i went down and bought an asset that had previously been um sold in florida i remember this is 2013 now yeah. so in 2013 in the crisis um i bought a house that had sold um in 2009 as new home construction it was 4 years old for 470000 i got it for 160 and then turned around and rehabbed it and then held on to it again because you want to hold on to it for a couple of years. So I held on to it, and then I recently turned around and sold that for three hundred fifty thousand um, just last year. So hold the assets as long as you can. You play, do the long-term capital gains. But of course, when I sold it, then I 1031 exchanged it into another asset. So
0: that's amazing. So three properties now, where you're 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 making gains on every one, and you have yet to pay taxes on any of it. Bingo. That's amazing. That's and such- all the t- all the
1: while, I mean, the asset down in Florida was a rental, so. You know, that was a $2,200 a month rental that I was all in for about 200 grand. Um, But again, I, again, could have sold it, could have flipped it, but why? I mean, I I feel like, and and again, I have a flipping operation, so I'm not saying that there's, you know, you have to make money. But when you're talking about your own rental pool and, you know, trying to build assets, you know, they say delayed gratification is the sign of maturity and never has that been more important than in real estate. You've got to be patient. The turtle wins the race. I always tell people, my line is, Real estate is a crockpot business, not a microwave business. It's a business of getting wealthy slowly over time, not getting rich quick.
0: That's hilarious. I need to tell Anita that one. She, she would absolutely get the crockpot analogy. <laughs> she loves to cook with crockpots. Yeah. That's fantastic. Hey, Mark, man, this was good, man. So many good applicable lessons from this one, man. I appreciate you joining us uh, for this, this episode. You bet, Ken. Thanks for your time, mate. All right. Take care, buddy. All right, sit tight, you deal farm listeners. We've got more coming up in just a second. But for right now, I want you to do something for me. I want you to pick up your phone. Now, if you're driving, just wait till you get to the next stoplight. I want you to go to your Amazon app. I want you to type in Profit Like the Pros. You'll see my paperback book, published by Bigger Pockets, come up. Okay, now just hit the order button. See how easy that was? Here's the deal in just two days, you're going to be enjoying 25 amazing stories of seasoned investors sourcing and funding and profiting from all types of real estate investments. Okay, back to the show, except in this segment, we're going to talk about the deals that didn't go so well. Hope you enjoy. All right. I am with my good buddy, Mark De Mark, how you doing, man? I'm great, Ken. Thank you. All right. We're going to talk today about your worst deal ever. Let's hear it, man. Spill your, <laughs> spill your guts.
1: Well, hey, look, you know, we're in challenging times, right? And, um, you know, I think that uh, in this market, you know, 2019, I can certainly, you know, have a few to add to that list. Um, one that quickly pops to mind is one um, where we just felt like, you know, we bro- the-, the lesson would be we broke from our, our uh, you know, core being our core process of what we typically do. Okay. So our, you know, as you know, a full turnkey provider in Kansas city, our niche is hundreds to $200,000 homes all day long. We saw a big opportunity in a nice shiny part of town um, where we thought we could go take it down. Um, We did not do a foundation inspection, um, despite their, you know, our acquisitions guy walking in and doing a full interior inspection. Um, We reached out um, to the homeowner um, and you know, there was competitive bidding situation. We paid them, Way too much. We paid two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars for this asset. We thought it was, and, and it was skinny. I mean, you know, this is a time period where, honestly, Ken, we're we're trying to do volume and we're skinning oh. down our margins. And so yeah. this is one where we're just expecting like fifty thousand on the back end of a you know three hundred fifty thousand dollars purchase. So very you yeah. know for that price range, by the time you factor in all your costs, I mean, pretty skinny margins. Yep. And so this is one where I walk in the very you know first day I'm walking it, and suddenly I'm like walking downhill to the living room. I'm like well, what did, I, what did the foundation guy say about it? Oh, uh, you know, he hasn't been here yet. He was tied up. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So that requires 23 peers, Ken. Oh, so, gosh. Yeah. So Holy the 23 no. peers. So now we're going to have to rehab our way out of it. It's a nightmare of a deal. Um, you know, completely didn't even budget anything for the foundation. So this is one where instead of making 50, we'll be lucky to break even. Um, you know, is easily going to be a $30,000, you know, because after the peers then you got to grade it. So it's a $30,000 foundation budget. Um, Just poor execution on an acquisition, guys, part of not getting a guy, you know, he was stood up by a foundation guy and didn't bother to let us know, hey, we got to close this, um, you know, pause the the closing time and and push it back so that we can get our inspections done, you know, just a busy time in in his life, a busy time in our lives and and something fell through the cracks and and absolutely is going to be a big, big money loser so um again i've lost more money we'll probably end up losing 30 40 grand um but this one's going to be a real kicker because um you know just as you well know once once it's been tarnished by a massive foundation even when you do the foundation repair there are certain buyers yep. that just say no not an option because i just don't want to mess with it down the road so yep. it'll be tarnished uh kind of you know in a in a buyer sense and uh, who knows what we'll sell it for at the end but i'm not we definitely will be a big loser
0: it's tough. And I'm, I'm sure it's the same way in uh, Kansas City. You have to disclose that, right? You have to disclose. That oh, dude.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, we're, you know, super big on doing things the right way, as you well know. So yeah, we'll disclose everything. We'll show them all the foundation reports. We'll show them the, the stuff we did. But the one thing I'm not going to do is just turn around and just, you know, sell it on to somebody else. So yeah, yeah we employed the structural engineer. He told us exactly what to do. We're going to do it. And, uh, you know, try and rehab our way out of it. But there's just not enough room on the back end. And, um, you know, to boot it's on a busy street, Ken.
0: <laughs> oh, no. More challenges. Oh, that's the worst. Well, and then and you don't even factor in holding costs. Now, all of a sudden, you're, you're holding it longer because you got to do the work. And so that starts to eat away your profit. And, hey, if you break even, that's fantastic. Trust me, there's, most of these worst deals, including my own, are like multiple-figure losses. So if you still break even, that's not too bad.
1: Fingers crossed. But yeah, we'll be definitely in the negatives. I'm sure somewhere in that, uh, you know, $20,000 loss range, I think is the latest projections. But okay. again, you know, that's a challenge, right? I mean, I think, you know, my answer to that is, you know, squeezing our contractors, we pay our contractors hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah. and always get to win. There's never a chance where they don't win because yeah. every single time they step on our job site, they're making money off of us. So this is absolutely a time to come to Jesus meeting and say, guys, listen, we screwed up. We're not going to hold our, we're not, you know, dumping this on our acquisitions guy. We all screwed up because there were tons of things that, that could have been done. Okay. So now let's everybody chip in and give us a little bit of a hey, 10%, 10%, 10%, 10% adds up when you're spending, you know, uh, 60 to, to 100, 100 grand on a, on a remodel. So if everyone can chip in and help out a little bit, um, we're certainly going to squeeze them to try and, you know, just make it work so that we can stay in business and, and keep on rolling. You know, one deal doesn't kill us. But the message to the contract is, is hey, if this happened every time, we wouldn't be in business anymore. So let's all chip in. Yep. We all screwed up. You know, next time it might be you screwing up, but we're going to chip in and try and work this way out of it together.
0: Yep, that's exactly right. Call in, you, it's, it's okay to call in a favor every now and then, especially if you're keeping these guys busy. So you that's bet. smart. Mark, That's uh, that sounds pretty horrible, man. I hate that you're going through it, but it's part of the game, right? It's got to be in the win, nine, nine, So yeah, nine,
1: fingers nine. crossed. And, and hey, you know, for those novices out there, I don't know if you get many people that have done their deal for the first time. God, be patient. Um, yep. You know, make sure you get your due diligence. And and that was, you know, just getting too greedy and getting too smart. We're doing hundreds of deals a year. And, and you know, we let something slip through the cracks. So when it's your only deal, pay attention and make sure you don't make the same idiot mistakes
0: that I just made. Get the foundation. Exactly. Get all the inspections up front before you buy. Trust you me. It. I get it, buddy. All right, Mark. I appreciate you being with us. Take care. Thanks, Kenny. Hey, Deal Farm listeners. If you haven't heard, I just recently released a book through Bigger Pockets Publishing called... Profit like the pros, if you dig the best deal ever podcasts, you will definitely want to get your hands on this book. I take 25 stories from some of the top investors in the country and distill them down into 25 separate chapters that will not only entertain you, but educate and inspire you in all different facets of real estate investing from wholesaling and flipping to self storage, multifamily and commercial. We get into the details of short sales, subject twos, and even land flipping. Whether you're a brand new investor or you have years of experience under your belt, I promise you this book will engage you. If you would, take a minute, go to Amazon and order this book, Profit Like the Pros. And if you like it, please leave us a review. Thanks so much, folks, and I will see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.